And we are live today with Living the Guide Life. <sighs> Nothing much going on up here. Um, going to go back down to Mankato tonight. And then we're off to Montana um, this upcoming Saturday morning. So I think we're going to be swinging through Ennis and then all the way up to Glacier National Park, more towards the border of Canada, and then coming back through North Dakota. So should be a good week. We're uh, super excited. Going to be doing some prairie dog hunting and uh, lots and lots of fly fishing. So very excited about that. Got some really good buddies coming with. Got my buddy John meeting us out there from Utah and uh, meeting a few other guys along the way. So going to be a really good time. Um, but today, this episode is brought to you by Chase Fall Outfitters. Make sure to let me know if you want to get in on a hunt. Books are starting to fill up really heavily, like I've talked about, and I want to make sure you guys can get the opportunity to get out with us. So hit me up, and uh, Game Fair is only a couple weeks away, so keep your eyes out on that. And we are also brought to you by Bourbon Media, so I'll give them a minute here. If you're a small business owner in the outdoor industry, we get it. The words digital marketing can be intimidating. You're a grunt work, sweat it out, bust your chops kind of person who's addicted to progress and put all of your time and energy into operating your business. We at Bourbon Media can help you push it even further. We're digital marketing experts. I'm talking web development, content creation, social media management, SEO, paid advertising, the whole nine yards. And as fellow outdoorsmen, we know the industry. Keep your business up to date and expand your reach with digital marketing that is directed at your core market. We are Bourbon Media. Cheers to progression. And that wraps things up for Bourbon Media. Uh, got some really, really good stuff coming with them. And uh, if you're looking to make a website, go uh, run on over and tell them I sent you. Um, they do some badass stuff, guys. So you're trying to really make a name for yourself, you're going to want to make sure to check them out and get that website made. Um, but we are also brought to you by Pacific Calls. If you haven't checked out already, we are doing a giveaway. Uh, we're doing a giveaway with Goose Call and the Duck Call. The Duck Call is the Deuce's Duck Call and uh, the 509 Goose Call. Super great calls. Um, very easy to blow if you're a beginner. Go still put it on the giveaway because we made it very easy that we want everybody to be able to blow these calls when they get them in the mail. So make sure to go check that out. All you got to do is tag three friends, as many entries as you want, and uh, go share it on your Instagram story. So if you haven't checked that giveaway out, make sure to do that. That runs till August 2nd. So still got some time left, and then we'll be doing a giveaway on the Instagram. So. Make sure to keep updated on that and everything else. But today we have Will Riddle on from Crooked Wing Outfitters down in Texas. Will is the man himself. This is all he's wanted to do is guide. Now he's doing it. Um, he really talks about the difference between being a guide and now running the outfitting side of Crooked Wings for ducks and geese. And, you know, some days you don't hunt. Some days you're more scouting. and. Uh, the different aspects to that side of things that is the difference between running that group 
and running the outfit inside. So make sure to go check that out. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun, and I think you guys will really enjoy this. And we are live with Living the Guide Life podcast. We have Will Riddle on today. And he does all the managing on the side of waterfowl for Crooked Wing Outfitters down in Texas. So, Will, how are we doing? Doing well, Chance. How about you, man? Doing well, dude. Can't complain. Cool. Just, uh, just living the dream up here in Minnesota, doing some fishing. Heard that. Heard that. Mm. We're watching it rain in West Texas, which we're super happy about. It's been dry, dry, dry up here. and We're getting plenty of rain filling up all our lakes. So. Absolutely. Life is good right now as an outfitter in the summertime watching our stage be set like this. Can't complain. Yeah, I can imagine. How was uh, the expo? Man, it was awesome. We had a great time. Met a lot of new faces, put, a, put faces to a lot of names I've known for a while, and it, it was great. We had a great time. I'd yeah. be, be lying if I said I wasn't still a little wounded from hanging out with all those boys <laughs> all weekend. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Wild no, we group. had a we had a big time dude it, it's it's always nice to do stuff like that in the summertime and kind of spark spark the waterfowl bug back up in you you know we run we run so damn hard the whole entire season that as soon as as soon as the season's over i tend to kind of just push it away for a little bit as far as i can and, and don't think about a single goose one for a little bit so <laughs> it was good timing and a whole bunch of fun oh i can imagine yeah and that thing was that thing was big Man, it was big. It was hot. It was at Texas Motor Speedway, which is outside of the old NASCAR track. And so it was yeah. all outside. It was spread apart. It was cool. It had a lot of really awesome things there. It was hot. Yeah, I can imagine. Sure. Like, for sure. Summertime in Texas outside on the on the asphalt. So that's a that's a tough one. I don't know how you boys do it down there during the summer. Man, it's it's not as bad up here in the panhandle as it gets down on the coast. Down on the coast, it gets so dang humid that, that it really is miserable. But we kind of got a dry heat up here. It heats up a little later in the day, so yeah, not too bad. Well, that's good then. Keeps you keeps yep, you cooler yep. in the morning. For sure. Yeah. Oh, I hear that. So how far of a drive was that for you to get over to? Was it? And that's Fort only Worth? like. Yeah, it was in Fort Worth, so that's only about four hours plus. Okay, that's not too bad. Then. We're, we're here in Lubbock, which is kind of the southern panhandle. It, it's it's far. It's, we're way up here in this big ass state, but yeah. Fort Worth is about four hours, and then and that's about our closest big city, I'd say. Okay, I got you. Fair oh. enough. Yeah, dude, yes, I want to hear more about your story on how you got into waterfowl hunting and all this fun stuff. Man, I've I've always been ate up with it since I was a little kid. Like I imagine most people in this business probably are. Um, all I ever wanted to do was just hunt, hunt, hunt. I'd, I'd be pissed if it was a good day. My dad wouldn't let me miss school and take me hunting. And um, As soon as I got about 15, 16, we were part of a hunting club down on the coast. I'm from the, the Houston area originally, so we, we hunted all of that. El Campo, Katy Prairie, Garwood area down there, you know, targeting snow geese and suckle belly, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, my dad was part of a lease down there, and um, the guys that ran the lease ran a, ran a hunting outfit, too. The lease pretty much was a was a duck hunting lease and they guided goose hunts um, as their day hunting operation so started helping them out when i was like 15 i'd, I'd drive scott clary around and, and scout for him or scout with them and help them set spreads learn a bunch about running big groups and laying in the decoys killing geese and stuff like that um so i got it i guess that would have been my 
that would have been my sophomore year of high school. I started kind of getting into it. Then junior and senior year, I started booking my own groups and taking guys out on the weekend, stuff like that, which was pretty awesome. I'd book a few guys and got my boss down there. He'd throw me a few more, put a group together. And then uh, I guess I graduated high school in 2014 and didn't get into Texas A&M. That's like where I wanted to go and mm. keep on hunting and working down there. I kind of built up a little miniature client base. I thought I was making some decent money. And, and so I, I liked what I had down there and I was, I was, didn't want to move that far away. And only other option I had to go to school. My parents really wanted me to go to go to college, of course, and we're going to help me help me do it. So I got got shipped up here to Lubbock. And was kind of sour about it for a little bit, and then uh, freshman year, about when waterfowl season started running around, I realized how special of a place it is up here. And been here ever since. Moved here in 2014. Graduated from Tech in 2018, and um, I met my boss Evan, one of the owners of Crooked Wing. I guess that would have been the end of my freshman year. Started working for him, and um, Ever since I graduated, I've been managing and running all sides of the waterfowl business. So we uh, we run a pretty big, pretty big waterfowl hunting operation up here, and we got a hell of a resource to do it. So yeah, absolutely. I love it, man. I don't know. This will be this will be my. I was just thinking about that the other day. This will be my tenth season guiding hunt. I'm I'm 25 years old, so can't really complain there. Yeah. Getting dropped off with a getting dropped off with a learner's permit. Pretty cool. <laughs> dropped off with a learner's so, permit. You love to see it. Yeah, love to see it. Love to see it, and wish there was more kids like that. Now it seems like people are trying to get into it a little too late. They should be, yeah, be dragging coattails from my my young age. That's that's dang sure what I did. Yeah, no, I hear you on that too. There's a lot of like, well, so where I'm from in Minnesota, it's like right below the city, so it's like a suburb area. Um, you drive like ten minutes out of town though, and there's farm fields everywhere, like a very suburb area, and it's like everybody like is like sports 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 nobody hunts and like until Makes now it's easier to get on field oh my god super easy dude because nobody does <laughs> it. but then everyone would be like why do you hunt like because it's fucking awesome and then yep, like yep. now everybody's like dude take me out take me out take me out and it's like you gotta yep. Figure it out. You gotta put a, little work, put a little work in. <laughs> yep. No, it's this is this is all I've ever wanted to do, and I got really lucky. Um, this this company, Crooked Wing Outfitters, it kind of took a turn towards expansion right before I was about to graduate from college, which was just perfect timing. And and the owner of the company, he he's he's there expanding whitetail hunting stuff now, and he left me in charge of all the birds up here. So it was it was great timing, and and you know a lot of work, but yeah. here we are. Yeah, Texas is a wild place. Man, it is. It is. Um, it, this is hunt type of hunting that we do is so, so, so different than what I grew up doing. And um, it, it's just, it's crazy. It's a very little area up here that hunts the way that we do. Um, these birds are pretty much just coming to the panhandle and staying here. You're not, you know, um, the, the geese that we shoot up here, you're not shooting down on the coast. Granted, they used to go down there back in the day in the heyday of, you know, what you hear about the Katy Perry. All these lessers yeah. went down there a long, long time ago, but uh, we're we're shooting little geese and cranes. That's about all we got. We get ducks. We have water. We got a lot of water right now, so hopefully we got some ducks this year. Yeah, but it's a it's a pretty neat landscape, man. I tell everybody that that it's just we're able to do what we do because of the resource that we have. There's a lot of birds come here and hang out here, and uh, for the most part, people treat them right and keep them around. Absolutely. And so, for all the people oh. that don't know, what are some of your um, like what are your some some of your job responsibilities that you have oh man <laughs> a little bit too much so that was <laughs> my hardest thing going from college to running this 
was transitioning from guide to outfitter. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm leasing all the land, booking all the hunts, filling the calendar, taking deposits, sending invoices. I mean, the whole, every single bit that goes into the, the running the waterfowl operation I'm taking care of up here. And, um, and the hardest part of that for me is, you know, not hunting quite as much, if you will, or knowing yeah. that there's days where, shoot, I need to really need to sleep in and go scout so I can handle all these phone calls or whatever. And still so mad at the geese that you'll end up going hunting anyways or whatever. But um, no, it's, it's a bunch of responsibility. The, the lining out of all the hunts during the season, we're running, running two to three hunts a day, every day besides Thanksgiving and Christmas pretty much. Yeah. Um, so it's at 90 days of that. It, it, it's a lot, you know, a lot of those guys are booking evening hunts too. So it's just constant coordination and lining people out, trying to make sure everything goes smoothly. Um, it, it's like if you don't stay organized and on top of it, it just starts falling apart quickly. And you hear horror stories and other outfitters and stuff like that. And I've always told myself I just never, never want anything like that to happen to me. Don't want anybody to be able to talk bad about me from a coordination side of things. You know, yeah. some people don't go out and kill birds. Some people don't go out and do this, but accidentally double booking and stuff like that. The, the horror stories you hear, that's that's stuff that's completely avoidable. And I. Yeah. I wouldn't say I stress over it, but I spend a lot of extra effort making sure that, that there's no uh, organizational issues during the season. Yeah. So absolutely. But, but I love it, man. It's, it's awesome. And I'm getting better at getting better at being an outfitter instead of a guy. I feel like some yeah. days, you know, and learning to run everything and not taking the bad hunt. So personally realizing that they happen from time to time. So. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You make a great point. I mean, there's definitely, you can definitely control overbooking and all that kind of stuff. You just have to Yeah, organize. absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you know, you can't, there's so much you can't control. You got to stay really on top of the things you can in this business. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And birds are, so, they get tough. Like it's just, man, they do. They do. And that's, that's one thing, you know, you got to just hunt them differently throughout the season. And we're big. You'll hear me say it over and over again on treating them right, getting in, getting out, not burning stuff up, not shooting in the massive wads of them. And um, it just seems like the, with every year when we can get a couple concentrations of geese and keep them to ourselves, it's like, man, we can just make them last so long. And yeah. uh, it seems like once they start getting bounced around and hunted different ways, um, get, you know, seeing giant spreads or whatever, just getting scared, you know, maybe, People are combining groups and, and hurting those birds worse than they should be on a given morning. What whatever, just it yeah. seems like uh, the better you can treat them, the better they treat you throughout the whole entire season. Um, but you know, it we'll have it, every year the slumps come at different times. At least since I've been up here, it seems like, and it's all just it's all due to weather. Yeah, um, we we certainly do get a lot of pushes of birds when we get better weather. But for the most part, these birds in this area, calendar birds, are going to come here and hang out no matter what just uh just then you know it's it you can i'll tell everybody i kill geese on a 75 degree bluebird morning but the problem is finding them they probably if it's going to be that cold that or that warm that morning probably warm the evening before you couldn't go out and find them they didn't go feed so it's a yeah. toss-up of you know where they're going to be so it just makes scouting and patterning them tough when that when that weather gets super stale and shooting those birds in stale weather i think the, the when the weather's stale and you're getting them, it, it, it hurts those birds a little worse than when you're beating on them in that nasty stuff. I mean, when they're in survival mode, it doesn't seem like they, they can, they certainly take those lickings better when they're in survival yeah. mode. It's cold. Oh, absolutely. So, and how was uh, last season for you guys? Man, last season was awesome. It was definitely my driest year since I've been up here. Um, 
there was there was very little water around yeah um so it, it had there's a handful of outfitters up here probably probably a couple more than the area can hold you know any any area can can sustain a certain amount of hunting pressure and a certain amount of people running around and chasing these birds and, and we're we're feel like we're pushing on that void up here a little bit um so all the birds were pushed into a corner all the people were pushed into a corner there was very few concentrations around and the concentrations were huge um we we had really good season when uh, you know had to get the hang of them a little bit you know you go out and scout you're making your morning lap or whatever and hell it could be 9 30 that you flip on a field well if those birds start flying at eight somebody next door could have already ruined their day and kicked them into your field. When you see them at nine 30, you think they're in their stuff. And then just like I was touching on, say it's, it's warm that evening. They don't go fly. So you think, Oh hell yeah, we got to go one again, you know, yeah. for the morning you go there and the birds went right next door where mm-hmm. you find later on that they got shot the morning before. And that's why they didn't go back that morning or yeah. what have you. But, um, you know, it's just, there's so so much so many factors every day and it changes throughout the season our our best stretch of last year was definitely towards the end we started you know you saw all that cold weather that blanketed the south yeah everybody was freaking out down here man that last couple weeks of january into the into that february stretch was absolutely it was some of the best canada goose hunting i've ever seen yeah i think it was like the last we didn't hunt we didn't hunt the last saturday and sunday of the season it was just too gnarly cold uh, we didn't have any clients right then. We had the split read guys and their giveaway dudes. Um, I guess it would have been that like Wednesday through Friday. That was probably like the 10th through the 13th or the 10th through the 12th yeah. of February. And I mean, that was by far, hands down, the most epic and the lesser candidate goose hunting I've ever seen in my life. It was, it was freaking special. But we had, we had our lot of good ones and our fair share of bad ones. I think everybody in the area had quite a few, quite a few tough goes at them this last year. But yeah. Um, just like any season, it's it's different every year, and you got to kind of try to figure it out quickly and get on top of them before they can get on top of you. Yeah. No, I hear you. So. Yeah, I was down in. I was down there like the third of February, like that week, I think. Yep. And yeah, it was like when I left, it was starting to get really cold. Starting to get really good, yeah. yeah. And that that first week right there, we had a bunch of just I'm in in that you're always going to have that ahead of a big old front like we had right there. But yeah. we had a lot of really good shoots that first week. It got kind of boogered on by the wind. We had we had some crazy crazy wind days where yeah. you couldn't you couldn't hardly work and couldn't hardly keep a decoy from wobbling too hard or whatever. But yeah. uh, and and that's just you know that goes to any point in the season. You can have your best hunting and and it come to an abrupt halt because the weather changes whichever way oh absolutely do you guys so, deal with the uh, reverse migration over there as well yes we do um a lot of times it's more a lot of times it's more uh in the area if you will like yeah. birds will kind of birds will move around the panhandle um i think we pick up birds you know i think when when we get cold fronts we pick up more from oklahoma i think when it warms up we lose quite a few birds um, there's there's always going to be a certain number that stay here at least yeah. for me i feel like there's always a, a certain that that counts always about the same um and then you know with with your weather you'll pick up more or lose some but um we do with ducks we especially do like well if it gets cold we'll have ducks and our duck hunting will get absolutely out of this world in the second it warms up we get a south wind they go yeah oh i hear so, you on that are you hunting mainly water sure. then for ducks 
with you can Man, find a water hole. When you can find them, it's just tough because up here, um, we joke around during teal season. If you look at some of our ponds, like the, the moist soil units that the good Lord gives us here is just absolutely crazy in these playa lakes. Like it, you'll see these ponds, natural strips through the smart weed and, you know, all, all sorts of just awesome duck food that's there naturally yeah. um, that flood up and look so perfect. And it's like, and people spend millions to manicure these things in other parts <laughs> of the country. Uh, but with that being said, during during regular season, if you can't find, you know, a lot of times weather's not right, or if you don't find the perfect situation, a lot of those ducks are sitting on water that they're roosting on and feeding in the moist soil stuff in that water mm-hmm. where they don't really have any reason to leave. And so once, you know, the, the, the duck hunting here is the thing that can, if you don't really put in your homework and I guess put your groundwork in and scout hard enough to find something. Just finding a bunch of ducks on a pond doesn't usually mean you're going to get them here. Yeah. And so, so when the, when the weather's warm, our ducks are just sitting there and you'll see whatever thousand on a pond, a few hundred here, a few hundred there, but until you can see them, okay, they're leaving here at this time and coming back there at that time. That's the only time you can really get them good. Good. Yeah. You ever shoot them on the field that often? We do when the weather gets cold. It seems like every year, every year we have our handful of good ones. Uh, there's been years where we have a whole lot more, but uh, that's that's the one thing that w- I get more phone calls to go field duck hunt than anything. And it's I wish I could book them, and I wish I could tell people to come on. Uh, yeah. But you know, it's one of those things that I tell everybody. I was like, I'm like, don't worry. If we have our field ducks, I don't care what you're doing that day. We're gonna go shoot them or what you're planning on hunting that day, yeah. we're going to go shoot those ducks. But it's just something that you can never count on. We got to have the cold weather for them to get right in the field. Mm-hmm. And so this last year, oh, me personally, I know Jakey, Jakey had a good one. I think Ethel might have had a good one um, right there at the beginning of December. The only field duck shoot I had was like the week before Thanksgiving, which is weird mm-hmm. as hell. I never shot them that early. So we're shooting gadwalls, and huh. all sorts of goofy, goofy stuff. But they were, I mean, they wanted it. It wasn't even yeah. that cold. Um, no, it didn't. Other than, other than that, man, we only had a few last year. We had a few the year before. Um, but it's just, yeah, it, it gets a little better the further north you go and the further the, or the colder it gets, I should say. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. And for your guide, how do you kind of choose on who you want to guide for you and all that kind of stuff? Like, what do you look man, for we, as a guide? We have such a good team, dude. It's crazy because it's like, I feel like we've never hired anybody. Yeah. Um, like I feel like everybody that, that works for us has just fallen into our lap. Um, there's, let's see, we got Jake, Lee, Ethel, and Trevor. So there's four plus me uh, making a five-man team. So we we try to keep it uh, one guide per hunt every day. Um, okay. We don't. We try to you know, and I, all the boys want to make their tips. Most of our groups are six to ten-man groups. One guide's completely capable of running a six to ten man group no problem yeah we'll throw another guy in there when the groups start getting over 10 and you need a bigger spread and a little bit more work goes into it um but we we try to keep a small team and we all run hard so we all make a little bit more money during the season but as far as picking who works for us man um Ethel just i mean Ethel fell into our lap Jake fell into our lap I, I met jake when he was really young he was a freshman at tech kind of took him under my wing um lee lee hollered at us a couple years ago and we started hanging out with him before before he started working for us and became a good buddy now he's been full-time with us for two years and yeah. so it's just uh and then we we hired trevor this last summer trevor and i started talking at the end of last season uh or no the end of two seasons ago he was it was his first year guiding in texas and kind of met him and uh 
you know, it was, he was one of those guys. I was like, man, who's this new kid in the area running around? He's having a lot of good shoots and, and hit it off with him and made good buddies with Trevor. And he worked for us this last season for the first year, coming back this next year. And uh, he's one of my, one of my great friends now. I wouldn't trade him for the world. So team, we got special, man. We're all, we're all best friends. I'm fixing to get married and uh, I'm fixing to get married and everybody's, everybody's Exciting. pretty much standing up in the wedding, which is awesome. So you can't, I mean, to have a crew of guys that you can all have standing in your wedding with you, that's pretty special right there. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're, that's, that's the, I mean, that's what holds it all together is the guys you have. We don't ever get into it with each other. We don't ever argue. There's no bullshit. I mean, and, and as far as lining everybody out, everybody's so cool because, I mean, obviously, if I go find – badass field i want to shoot it but athel's group they had a tough hunt the day before and they really need to go shoot that field that day okay well athel's group gonna go to that one and you know we all kind of bounce off of each other we all trust each other's scouts i can go blind you know we can all send somebody into a field with a pin and a, and a good little napkin drawing and yeah. have it work perfectly and that's that's the main thing is trust dude you gotta if somebody's scouting a field for you or whatever tells you what time those birds are going to get there tells you what to do what where where to hide going in there in the dark it's it's 100 percent trusting your scout and trusting trusting your boys so yeah it's a it's a cool deal man it's a it really is we're lucky to have lucky to have the team we do absolutely so one guy for a group is what you're saying pretty oh. much man pretty much we run one run one guy per group of hunters um it's that's just that's how how i've been trained to hunt yeah um you see a lot of the you see a lot of people that run a lot of guides on a hunt and it seems like half the time it's more of a buddy show than anything and it's like these guys are guys are spending a lot of money to come out here and have a have an awesome experience with us and it makes it a little more personal you know when it's just you or just you and a helper out there yeah um and and like i said too it's we're all willing to work a little bit harder hell i'm willing to hustle a little harder run my dog a little bit harder not harder to not just put a tip after a hunt yeah so <laughs> you can you can look at it however you want to, but um, you know we're it's one of those deals where whenever whenever another guy falls into our lap, he'll fall into our lap, and yeah, we'll have another one. Yeah, but absolutely. Now we got a for now we got a pretty awesome team, and everybody's kicking ass and happy. Yeah, how's the leasing oh. down there for field? Because that's and like a pretty, big thing for you guys down there. Yeah, that's that's the always the biggest point of stress of any outfitter in an area like this. Um, all of the you have your hot areas year to year but everything changes every year it's where those birds are going to be where the water is going to be where the grain's going to be uh, caught in this king up here and so uh, the stuff that we're shooting birds over people really aren't trying to plant yeah. uh, they come as a they come from insurance and people are not insurance they come from crops getting failed out and stuff like that summertime storms or what have you and so um it, it's really competitive and it's pretty cutthroat and i'm a firm believer that there's a market price for everything um there's a market price for guided hunts i mean if you go you go search any outfitter in north america it, it's a pretty common you know there's there's higher costs when you got lodging involved or yeah what different packages or whatever ammo you know stuff like that but but there's a market price for everything market price for hunts and there's a market price for land and and anybody can compete you're not going to lose your farmers if you treat them right yeah um you're not going to steal a farmer from somebody by offering them five times as much money if that person treats them right you know mm -hmm. um but it's 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 always 
it's always competitive and it, it makes it tough when people really start what we say screwing that market price to go in there and, and offer a guy two thousand dollars for a morning and you're running one hunt a week and you're you might not have another group for whatever a month it's just like you know oh you don't even gross that much on some hunts how are you offering yeah. that much money to go shoot a field you're, you're screwing the market <laughs> so yeah because that's that's the thing we don't really have to worry about up here i mean it's either somebody's already hunting it or yeah you can go right ahead there's never really mm-hmm. never really any leasing in our area yeah no there's there's definitely a little bit up here but and, and you're always going to tie stuff down during the season when birds get here and you got to chase them around and stuff but it's it's competitive it's it seems like this whole entire kind of central flyway lesser uh i mean your your lesser candidates right now uh i mean it used to be your snow geese down on the prairie and your obviously your lessers down there too but it seems like these lessers are the birds that are really capable of running high volume operations on because of yeah. the concentrations that they get in and stuff like that and it just seems like anywhere from here to kansas is just getting incredibly saturated with people and the leasing is getting more and more competitive everywhere yeah um which i mean it's getting more popular and people want to come and do it and People want to come shoot these birds everywhere. People want to go to Kansas. People want to go to Oklahoma. People want to go to Colorado. People want to come to Texas. Yeah. You know, there's, there's clients that go everywhere. There's a lot of money spent in this industry every year. But um, it, it's as any, it, as any industry grows, it's going to get more and more competitive. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I feel like lessers are just a big thing right now. Everybody wants to go shoot lessers. Man, they're they're so much fun to hunt. I yeah. love them. I've I've honestly I've I've shot some big geese. I've never really hunted big geese. So I don't know, um, uh, you know, I've never, I've never gone and had a big old honker shoot or anything like that. Yeah. I love shooting lessers. I'm mad at them. They're, they're absolutely my favorite bird in the world to shoot. Um, and people love to hunt them. It's a, it's a fast paced, high volume hunt. You know, uh, most of these good hunts, whether you got six guys or 15 guys, they're, they're happening quick, quick, quick. As soon as you can pick all the guys' birds up and get them back behind the right people, yeah. way back down, you're calling and flagging again. It's, it's a, high intensity high volume hunt yeah oh absolutely they come in such big groups like they do they do they do some days i love when they come in little groups and get out of there easier and your guys don't (laughs) fuck shoot without buggering and go back and shoot them the next day again yeah yeah how's that uh how's the client shooting down there been for you oh man this last year you're always gonna have it it's just part of the game we 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 cater to a lot of corporate groups and you'll have you'll have guys pulling guns out of boxes for the first time and stuff like that it's it's one of those things you just gotta bite your tongue and let it happen yeah um you know there i i certainly have had hunts where it gets so excessive that it's like all right guys we're done you know well we, we're not we're done you know it's we're not shooting at any more birds this is ridiculous here um but i, I think last year towards the end of the season we started having having really bad hunts where the shooting it's like how could the shooting possibly be this bad and i think it was a lot of those a lot of things to do with the ammo shortage um, yeah it had these shotgun shells that they were using different brass for different powder for or whatever and guys were able to find them and scratch them up last minute at the academy or big box stores and, and i really do think that we had a problem with shotgun shells being all weird towards the end of the season because there was a couple hunts i had there you know late january early february towards the end seeing red winchesters with silver brass and stuff like that you've mm. never seen that in your life and, you know people pulling up to shoot and 
guys that I've taken before that are awesome shots and they're not able to hit anything. It's like, and they're getting frustrated. They're not hitting anything. They're like the birds are right there. Yeah. And so I think we had, we had some bad bullets circulating this year a little bit with all the ammo shortages going on, but in any, any outfit and you're going to have your misses, man, it's a whole lot worse during Turkey season. We got a bunch of turkey hunts in the spring and Oh boy, a miss will get you way more fired up when they're turkey hunting than on a goose on any day. Oh, dude, I agree on that. So, do you do turkey hunts, guided turkey hunts as well? Oh yeah, oh yeah, we run we run turkey hunts all of April and half of May. Um, pretty much guided turkey hunts every single day of this turkey season this yeah. year. How was that? Which is all, which is awesome. I love it. It's uh, it's a little newer to me. I didn't start turkey hunting. So that this is probably like my third or fourth year guiding turkey hunts. Mm. Um, once I once I graduated and the company expanded, we had a partner going in and he brought a bunch of land to the table down in the hill country which is south of us about four hours okay um and there's a it's a target rich environment and like like i always say a hell of a resource and yeah there's plenty plenty of turkeys run that river bottom stuff down there and um and we hunt the shit out of them yeah oh i hear you we had a, had a good run out this year i think we shot as a company we shot 88 turkeys oh wow yeah so quite a, quite a few birds right now there's more on camera at some of those ranches than there was when we started which is even really? more mind blowing. Huh. That's awesome. So it's it's one of my favorite times of the year. It's fun. It's a it's a stress free run. You know, there's no if you're going and hunting, you know, you're hunting private ranches, there's no other value variables. Nobody's gonna blow your roost, anything yeah. like that. It's just a it's a beautiful time of year in Texas. It's not too hot. It, you know, it's you can't breed spring turkey season anywhere. Yeah. Oh, I hear you on so. that. How do you guys hunt them down there? Man, we're they're all Rios. We're pretty much setting with clients we're pretty much setting sitting set um yeah. you know we're, we're able to feed our birds uh, legally the state mm. lets us feed our birds and hunt over feed so that's huge we can keep them around a little bit more a lot of these birds travel pretty a little more than you'd, you'd think turkeys yeah. would travel a lot of these birds are running and um you'll really notice that when you're hunting every day you know not even pressuring them that hard you're like man there's a whole bunch of birds around now and then you know not even you'll you'll be hearing gobbles there's not very many gobbles you know that they pushed out at in the world and another day passes two days pass they'll be like holy cow there's turkey freaking everywhere yeah um so we pretty much are just set and sit not not typically right over feeders but in the general area uh, of where that feed is or where water is you know you know those birds are going to run through and Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times with clients that can't move as quick as you and get down or or you know a lot of our a lot of our turkey hunters are really good hunters where we can run and gun with them and a lot of them are green to it and first timers where we're showing them you know giving them the bug where we got to kind of be a little bit more patient and wait for our birds yeah um but but these rios are fun you can talk to them they'll talk to you you can use decoys they'll whoop the decoy there it's a it's a super fun bird to hunt i've never never hunted any other kind of turkey so i don't really know know how to compare them to anything but everybody says they're fun they sure as hell are yeah oh i hear you i talked to the wild turkey doctor um from georgia and he was talking about, like you were saying, just how widespread those turkeys will travel. And like they, they move, they move a shitload and you don't realize it until they like yep. they they showed me a bunch of research on it. And it was crazy on just how much they'll travel in a day. It's it's a cool bird, man. I'm learning more and more about them every year. And like I said, we, we get a lot of uh, a lot of destination turkey hunters that are coming from, you know, your southeastern states, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, stuff like that. Yeah. And, and some of these clients are such good turkey hunters. I end up 
you know, you learn so much from them and it's such an intimate hunt because you're one-on-one with these guys yeah. and you're, you, you get to know your turkey clients so well, uh, where waterfowl season, you know, you got a group of six guys, it's all bundled up. You can't hardly see anybody's face. Yeah. All the names and faces blend together. You get your job done and you're back on the road scouting where, you know, turkey season, you're in camp with those guys. And yeah, uh, it's, it's an awesome, awesome time of the year. Yeah. Do you guys have a lodge down there for turkey hunting? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. We can sleep like, we can sleep about 20 guys down there, 20, 24 oh, wow. people. So we can, we can cater to some big groups of turkey hunters. We got a whole bunch of land to run around on too. Yeah. That's awesome. And what's, lodge, awesome. what's lodge life like down there? Man, it's awesome. It's, it's so much fun. Cause here, you know, during waterfowl season, we all have our own houses and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so we're not, and we're all running so hard our separate ways. We're talking on the phone constantly, but you know, I might not see some of the boys every day. I might see some guys every day yeah, or what have you, but Turkey season, we're all in there and camp together and giving each other shit. It's so much fun. It's 99% shit talking pretty yeah. much. <laughs> That's just how it is. Which is, yeah, you don't want to be the one that doesn't kill a turkey when everybody else does. Yep. Oh, I agree on that. And how many turkeys can oh. you guys kill down there? You can kill four piece in Texas. We let our clients shoot with the package that we sell. We let our clients shoot two. Okay. Four turkeys. Wow. Four turkeys. I know it. I know it. Jeez. I think it's, I think it's too many. I don't think anybody needs to kill four turkeys a year. And I mean, in one area, you can travel around and shoot them. But I think four is, four is a little excessive, I think. But the population is absolutely doing great. There's a lot of people that study those birds. And I know uh, they know what they're doing when they, give those tags away and set yeah. dates and everything like that. So you got to let them do their thing. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, yeah. There's not many. Yeah. There's not as many like in state. You'd be surprised how few people turkey hunt in Texas, even people that have really awesome pieces to do it on. Really? Um, so it, as big as this state is and as many hunters as we have in this state, uh, there's, there's only a, a handful of those guys that I really think are shooting their four birds each. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. But a handful with all the hunters in Texas is still quite a few turkeys, so I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. Yeah, I mean, like, South Dakota, I know you can shoot, like, whatever you can shoot, your two in the Black Hills, then one across the river, so it kind of breaks it up a little bit. But then yep. in Minnesota, it's just like, you can only kill one turkey a year. Really? Yeah. Yep. And it's just like, I, they just don't know the numbers of how many birds are actually there. Like, nobody does the research on them. Really? Yeah. And so they it's- just... They're a, they're a fragile bird, man. Any any of those upland birds are quail or fragile. All of I mean, all these birds are fragile. But um, there's a lot of a lot of things after that baby turkey and those baby turkey eggs. I saw a yeah. video straight on Facebook of a fox, you know, clobber knocking a hen. On they had a little satellite camera set up watching the nest, and this hen clobber knock or the clobber knocks a hen, then sits there and eats like fifteen or sixteen eggs. Well, hell, that's seventeen dead turkeys right there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, no, it's definitely uh definitely a bird they uh like in Minnesota they just don't do enough research on and then they just don't yeah. know how many turkeys we have, so then they're just like, Okay, we're only gonna throw one out and Yeah, that's speaking of research, man, we, we hunt a ton of sandhill cranes up here in the panhandle. That's what we haven't even talked about that yet. Yeah. That's that's definitely I, I'm a goose hunter. I'm so ate up with geese. I love them uh, more than anything and I'll get caught up on that even even you know, scouting wise and stuff like that. I'm like, oh shit, I gotta go look for cranes. <laughs> um, but no, the 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 crane the cranes type of deal. It's it's wild. The hunting is becoming so popular. So many people want to hunt them. There's more and more states opening up 
sandhill crane hunting seasons yeah. you know um and it's wild to me that there's not more research on them it, it you know they're just kind of a every there's a there's just areas where there's a shit ton of cranes and you got those few geographical locations on the map where those cranes really stop through with, during their migration and back and it's like oh yeah there's a shit ton there that's time of year oh yeah there's a bunch there you know then we winter a bunch of cranes yeah um, but it's just it's just wild to me that there's not a little bit more research on those birds how they're starting to really get pounded on yeah um down on the coast when i was growing up we didn't we didn't really hunt them too much um we would you would see them here and there they were down there you'd get some bigger feeds that would pop off every now and again um a lot of people don't know there's two different subspecies of crane so down there when i was down on the coast in high school running around we were only seeing like the giant cranes like the ones you see walking around on the videos on instagram in florida chasing golfers and shit yeah. where they're as tall as tall as somebody's shoulder um the cranes that we're killing up here in the panhandle for the most part they're they're pretty little they're, i mean they're really not that big they look huge with their wingspan and when those legs are stretched out and they're fine but but you know you'll pick one up and be like hey that crane ain't that big yeah well recently those guys down on the prairie here in the last few years since these cranes have really started to get hammered on you know you're starting to see crane only outfits come up yeah uh, they're easy to hunt people are realizing they're easy to hunt uh, landowners and stuff in the area realizing oh heck we don't need all this crap we can get an a-frame blind and a few high dollar decoys and shoot them yeah whatever and, and it seems like those guys down on the coast are, are starting to have really really good crane hunting and and looking at the piles seems like they're killing a lot more little cranes and so hmm. um I, you know, I have all sorts of weird theories about everything, but I think those cranes are starting to get pushed around a little bit more because, you know, just like anything, hunting pressure is going to push birds around and start yeah. different migrations that don't really happen. Um, and I think, I think those cranes are getting pushed around a little more to be cool to see a little bit more research on them. And, uh, look at the value limit, see if, you know, see if anything needs to change, mm -hmm. but that all, that all starts with research. But that all takes money and there's only so much to go around. Oh, exactly. Yeah, cause you never really hear about crane banding. Mm -mm. There's one kill a year. Like yeah. you, you see one kill a year, and that's it. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, you think they start doing more of it since the amount of hunters for them? Yeah, it, it seems like you know somebody somebody around somewhere kills one crane band a year, and that's yeah. uh, every year that I've been doing it. I see somebody shoot one. Sometimes it's a regular band. Sometimes it's a cracker. But um, it would definitely be cool to see more research on these birds. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They're just such a cool bird. Like they are, man, and they have such different mannerisms in waterfowl. They're 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 so different uh, than than geese or ducks. Even though you can scout the, you scout them the same and pretty much hunt them the same. That's about the only similarity there. Um, yeah. It, they don't drink fresh water, but like once a week. A lot of people don't know that, which is crazy to me. Like huh. you'd think that a, a bird that goes and like gorges itself and i mean they'll sit there and level a wheat field quicker than a goose will yeah how the hell does that thing not need to go get a drink of water after that feed but it's just a they're goofy birds right and that's that's we get a lot of i mean hunters from all over the place our goose hunters they come here and they you know they know the drill a lot of our goose clients are just super long-term repeat guys yeah um but a lot of those goose hunters are really hardcore waterfowlers that come from all over to do that lesser hunt where your crane hunters you know you'll get guys from all over the place you get a ton of guys from florida because they can't hunt them down there and they mm. hate those cranes they want to come <laughs> take their anger out on them you know and it, it's a 
it's a bucket list hunt. A lot of those crane guys come, they're one and done. A lot of them will come and they do it every year. Yeah. What's the limit on cranes down there? We can kill three per person per day with a three day possession limit. So guys can come up, come and take nine cranes back each, which is, which is a quite a bit of, quite a bit of crane meat. Yeah. And they're super good though. They're super good tasting. Yeah. It's not really, it's like, like the sirloin of the sky, not really a ribeye. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. No, they're they're good tasting birds. They they really are. I've had them so many different ways. I hadn't, you know, unless you unless you overcook them, if, if you don't overcook them, they're going to be good no matter how you cook them. Yeah, yeah, because you can only oh. hunt them in the northwest corner of Minnesota. And okay, so we did that last year and had them, and they were delicious. Yeah, were quite a few people hunting them up there. Honestly, not that many people. I mean, yeah, like you. Because there's only like a certain area that like allows it, and I think you, I got gotcha. you. You can shoot two a day, and then the possession limits three, like three days. Yeah. And so we went up there, and we were just hunting big geese, but then had some cranes come into the decoys, and then uh, we're like, "Shit, next year, like, dude, we were seeing crane feeds of like four hundred cranes." Yep, yep, and it's, I mean, there's, it's, it seems like more and more areas every year are seeing that uh, yeah. pop up. It's just like I was saying, it's crazy. Those cranes are starting to move around, and, but it's like, I don't know, I don't, I don't even know if there's a count for cranes. You don't see it in the Ducks Limited, Mm-mm. you know, when they do the count every year, you don't see it there. Is it, is it pressure pushing them around? Is there more of them? Are they doing really good? Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, where the hell are they even, most of these coming from, Alaska, over the Bering Strait, you know, it, yeah. there's, it's crazy, but I think, you know, it, my opinion, it must be them just the hunting pressure is newer on them. And I think locally we'll, we're seeing these birds get pushed around a little bit more. But like you said, you know, huge feeds showing up where you've never seen cranes before. I think that, that that's got to be the population doing better. But yeah, not going to know until they start counting them or do a little research on them. Yeah. No, I hear you. What are the crane feeds like down there? Man, uh, early, they get, they stay here so long, dude. It's crazy. They get here like, they start getting here mid October and you'll start seeing feeds of 500 ish, six, 700 birds, you know, a big feed early, early on yeah. is a grand ish. Um, later in the season, some of the amounts and concentrations of cranes are mind numbing. It's like, Holy crap. You're, you look at a field, a quarter section, 160 acres, it's shoulder to shoulder with cranes. It's like, Holy cow. That's freaking <laughs> five, 6,000 cranes out there. It's wild. See, it's, it's cool. <laughs> Uh, um we we certainly winter an absolute pile of those suckers yeah that's insane like seeing a crane feed of six thousand birds that would be ridiculous it's it's nuts and at it gets a little tougher when they get in that big a concentration those cranes love to play follow the leader and when they start playing that game there's nothing you can do about it yeah all right so what's your opinion on how hard they are to hunt down there compared to like lessers man you got to hide, you got to hide, you got to sit where they want to be. And you got to figure out how to hide where they want to be. Mm. If you can get that stuff right, you know, if you're off by an inch, you're off by 100 miles on a crane hunt. Um, You know, you got to be where they want to be. You can be sitting at the other end of the field with many deceptions as you can pull together or whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, If those cranes aren't, if you're not where they want to be, you're not going to kill them. As far as calling and stuff goes, you know, um, those specific guys, they really knocked it out of the park with their crane call this year. Yeah, I've tried every damn crane call on the market since I've been hunting these things. And, and you know, I would just, until this one came out, I would just booger a goose call up a little bit to rattle and make a crane noise. 
Mm. Um, that call that that call that they made finally started realizing, that, hey, we can talk to these birds a little bit better and get their attention a little bit better. But you're still not going to traffic those cranes. You're not going to yeah. pull a, a, you know, you're not if they're flying at the other end of the field or they decide they won't go somewhere else. You're you're good luck changing their mind. Yeah. And so that's that's the frustrating part about being a waterfowl hunter and hunting cranes is not being able to not being able to turn a bad hunt into a good hunt. You can turn, yeah. you know, your, your goose hunt goes to shit. You can still make something of it most days. Yeah. Hopefully. Oh, I, hear, I hear you. On so, that. Yeah. Cause I was going to say, are you even able to traffic cranes down there? You really can't. You gotta, yeah. you gotta hunt where they want to be. But a lot of times, even if you don't have the hot hand on cranes that week or, you know, the birds really aren't in where you, want them to be or whatever those you can make a little crane feed go a long ways yeah oh i can imagine which is which is cool i feel like the shooting would be a lot better on cranes yeah they're 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 easy to knock down they're hard to kill yeah but um but no the shoot that they, they they hit cranes a little bit better than geese sometimes especially when they're in small groups yeah oh i yeah you so, put a dog when you're facing cranes yeah i do i do and my dog won't wear goggles He's, I mean, I've had some close calls. People hate it, or people hate the people run dogs on them. I've never had anybody say something to me about it. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't run a crane. I couldn't run any hunt without a dog. I yeah. got to have a dog. So, yeah, I, I absolutely do. And um, <clears throat> any dog that crane dog, they're, they're going to learn which birds to stay away from, you know. And I can, yeah. I can call my dog off of a live one and go finish that bird myself while she picks up the dead ones or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, don't worry about it too much. Um, you know, if you're just ignorant and let you, letting your dog freaking go, I worry more about their claws and their beak because even you know that dead bird, that could she could pick up a dead bird off the ground that's sticking its feet like that. Yeah, well, those claws they they curve, man. And I mean, you look at our hands during hunting season, be like, what kind of cat did you get in a fight with? Because <laughs> it is all. I mean, they scratch and poke the shit out of you. Um, so I, I worry more about those claws or those claws catching an eye when, yeah. when they're kicking. Uh, more than anything, but it's it's just one of those things that the dogs learn learn how to do it just like anything else. Yeah. Have you thought about putting goggles on ever? Oh, I've tried. My the, the dog I run on crane hunt, she won't wear them. And then my the my other dog Goose, the one that I run on all of my goose hunts, ironically. Yeah. Um, he he's a little bit more fine tuned. I had him professionally trained by, by my buddy Kyle Fagler with Bad Choice Retrievers, and and dude, I feel like I'm standing on a stage when I'm working that dog in front of clients. Like it's yeah. the coolest thing ever. He's so fine tuned and such an awesome dog. But at that, he's I'm letting him. I'll start crane hunting him eventually. I think um, it's one of those things where he's a lot better on my goose hunts. And with that, Rose is so damn mad at the cranes, my female, that I just kind of do it that way. Hunt Rose yeah. cranes geese with geese or goose with geese but um i just feel like with his with his training and how tuned up he is that if i he were to be if i send him on a line on a long crane and it came alive and i started calling him off or burning him to get him to stop going after that bird i feel like i'd just throw him for a loop he's still a still a young dog and still learning a little bit you know you know what i mean it's just he's three okay yeah yeah so this will be yeah, he's and he's he's watched a whole bunch of birds die. He's an awesome dog, but I just I don't want him don't want to mess with anything with him. And so I I let my old scrapper Rosie go handle them cranes. Yeah. Oh, I hear you on that. Yeah, I definitely gotta just watch it and be like, yeah, just kind of throw him for a loop if you want him to stop not chasing after yeah. him or whatever. Yeah, it is. absolutely, absolutely. Like, definitely, so. a, definitely a thing. What do you think about like? Do you let anyone bring dogs out on your guys' on? 
Man, yeah. It that's I was actually dude like earlier, I was on a phone call with a guy and and literally what I told him, what I tell everybody is it's their hunt. They can do what they want with it. Um we we want to kill those birds just as bad as every one of those clients do. Or you know, we're we sit behind our guys. We're we're not shooting most days. Yeah. Um but with that being said, it's like we want to watch that hunt unfold how we expected it to. We put all the hours in scouting. There's a ton of leg work that goes in. And and we want that hunt to be successful for those guys as much as they can. So I, I tell people that as long as the dynamic of the hunt allows it where it's like family or people that know the dog and know you, don't be that guy that gets invited on a corporate trip and brings old house up with you. Yeah. You know, it's it's not good. Nobody's going to like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, Typically, if a group has a dog, I probably won't run them that day yeah. <laughs> with somebody else. <laughs> I, I don't like it, but it's their hunt. And if they want to bring a dog, they can. And, um, you know, I, I tell them all the expectations of the dog on a goose hunt. That dog's got to have its tits on the ground, be laying flat, laying still. It can't be sitting up. Um, 90% of the time, hiding in the decoys, you can't use a can't use a dog blind. You got to have that dog under your ghillie blanket with you or something. Yeah. So, um and then not many people try to bring a dog for a crane hunt. Hell, I'll call it income. Bring a dog once you get in a fight with a crane if they want to. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be but, that'd be an interesting dynamic. Your dog that probably retrieves like thirty ducks a year, or whatever it is, go after a couple cranes. Yeah, for sure. And and it's just one of those things, you know. There's outfitters that don't allow it for obvious reasons. You know, you and you want to get in and out of that field. You want your hunt to be successful, but we don't run any mixed groups. Yeah. And so, as long as, like I said, as long as that dynamic of the hunt allows that person to bring the dog, you know, typically, typically, you'll let them if they want to, and yeah, kind of try to discourage it as much as I can. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. No, and like Texas is such a whole different ball game too. Because I mean, it's such like it's a high pressured scenario. There's so it many is, man. It, it's, it's quick, quick, quick in the morning. So, you know, that's, that's really half of your goose hunt is your efficiency on picking them up. You know, if, yeah, if you're slow and letting, letting wave after wave fly over you while you're trying to get your birds picked up, well, now that feed that they're going to is going to build up and rack up and it's going to be harder to kill your birds. They're going to start trying to play follow the leader or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's it's a it's a quick hunt. You got to be quick and efficient, and picking up picking up those volleys and get, getting them efficiently picked up is number one. And you know, I tell everybody I try to really really avoid flock shooting. Try to try to have as, you know the cleanest hunts we can every day. I tell everybody that we're not here to kill. We're not here to kill forty geese. We're here to kill five per person. That's what our limit is per person per day. Yeah. And so you know, with that, you'll shuffle guys around in the line a little bit and stuff like that. But um, me running my dog and not having a good it, it's hard to keep hard to keep that organization of a clean hunt when a client's running their dog i'm right behind them saying man this bird from this side needs to go over there this one needs to go back there you know it's it just tougher yeah but it happens quick dude it happens quick in the morning like i was telling you earlier most of our hunts they're not if you don't get them quick you might not might not get them at all yeah oh i hear you know what makes oh. it sit behind them instead of shooting with them man you can watch over everything if you're sitting in that line, um, first off, I don't need to go kill five birds every day. I don't, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to, everybody knows the legality of waterfowl hunting rules and everything like that. I don't want to sit there every single day and just be shooting birds out from under people constantly. I, I, granted, it might get me out of the field quicker when I was younger. I certainly did it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's so many outfitters that do. I just, 
I don't know what I would do the rest of my life. I couldn't waterfowl hunt. I'd rather sit behind everybody and make sure everything goes smoothly. I don't know. I don't know if I keep on doing this. I had an accident in the field and sitting behind them. I'm able to watch everybody. I can watch those gun barrels. If you're in the middle of the line, it's yeah. really hard to watch over everything. Um, you know, we'll, we'll hide outside the decoys a little bit. And I typically will sit on the left side. If I'm doing that with my dog on the left side of me, even then I'll, I'll nudge my chair back just a little bit on that row. So I can keep an eye down that line while everybody's shooting. Yeah. Um, and, and just, you know, it's just running the hunt more efficiently. I feel like I can, as long as if I'm watching everything that goes on and you know, when you're shooting, you get tunnel vision, you know, you pull up and shoot a bird. Oh hell, where'd the rest of them fall? And you might be in a, in high milo stubble field and now you're turning back asking your guys where all the damn birds are yeah. killing more than what you killed it <laughs> so yeah that's um that's my biggest thing and I, I preach it to preach it to our boys every day you know run run a clean hunt you know run run the hunt legally don't do any bullshit don't let clients shoot more than they should you know i tell everybody i'm not here i can't count every single bird you shoot i'm here to provide you an awesome experience and a great time and and decoy these birds for you once i call the shot it's your responsibility your moral responsibility as a hunter to shoot as many geese as you're legally allowed to shoot and yeah you know so um just one of those things dude i feel like it's a little bit more professional bet sitting behind you guys being able yeah. to watch anything that happens you don't know everybody's a big hunter you know everybody's going to think they're the safest with the gun and everything like that and um the amount of times that, it, that it's like you know, you're screaming, no, no, no. And you see somebody <laughs> try to be going like this, that, yep. uh, you know, they see a snow goose they got to have or something that's getting out at the back and they're trying to swing across their top of their buddy's head. It's like, no, no, yeah. no. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't see that if you were looking down the barrel in the middle of the line. Mm -hmm. Oh, I hear so, that. Yeah. You make a great point on the tunnel vision. I mean, yep. you shoot your you birds do. and then you don't even realize like where the hell the rest of them went. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, so, there's yeah. a, that's, that's number one. As I've gotten older, you know, the, I'm, I feel like a lot of my boys are that way too, that we've pride yourself in those really good clean hunts where, where it's, you know, it happens how it's supposed to, and it's not messy. It's not chaotic. You're not screaming and sprinting everywhere. Yeah. Um, getting, yeah, every year we all get better at guiding hunts. You're never going to, never going to, you're always going to, you're going to learn how to kill your geese. You're going to learn how to kill them better. I feel like, you know, once you learn how to, once you learn your trade, you learn your trade, you know, but, uh, tuning everything up and fine tuning how you do everything can always be, can always be improved on. And that's what we kind of pride ourselves in these days yeah. in the world of waterfowl and the ridiculous videos and stuff like that that you see, see on the web. I'm not trying to sound like a saint, you know, everybody messes up and whatever, but, yeah. um, not trying to sound like a saint at all. But some of the stuff you see is just like cringeworthy of how people are people are raping these birds. And in my opinion, you know, if if, if I have a lot of thousand geese laying on the ground and I tell my guys get them right there, I'm the one that just told them to ground rake all those birds. What if they shoot over the limit, you know? And yeah. so you, you you preach preach what you were trying to do from the start of the safety speech to the end of the hunt and make sure everything rolls good. It's like Hell yeah, be able to wake up and do this again tomorrow and be able to do this for the rest of my life. Won't, won't have to deal with any bullshit. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. And from so, 15 to now, what's the biggest thing you've learned from guiding? Man, there's a there's so many damn things. You just gotta be honest with people and and the you don't wanna 
you don't want to want to undersell and over deliver if mm. you will no i'm not gonna if, if the hunting's tough i'll tell you the hunting's tough but come on we're still gonna give them hell you know um you can't you can't lie to people you got to just got to treat everybody good there's there's so many different people that you got you got to treat your clients good you got your owners good you got your guys good um there's there's you just pretty much if if you're a shitty person you're not going to go very far in this industry if you treat people with respect and and are cordial with people and you know you might have your disagreements with other outfitters and stuff like that you got to be able to talk to people and you got to be able to you got to be able to connect and, and resolve issues or whatever with people that might not be like you or might not have the same views as you whatever but you just gotta gotta try to get along and yeah and more so than that you gotta kind of i don't know stay in your own lane if you start you know picking on somebody on whatever side of things it is you know if i if i know that somebody's hunting that feeding field and i i know that they have at least that's how it is around here during the season when somebody has stuff and it's good stuff you know whose it is well if I go to shoot traffic on that field or something like that, cause I got the field to the South or whatever. Well, hell, if I call him and tell him that I really need to go do that in the morning, he might, you know, he might not go shoot that field or something like that. And just not, not being, not being sneaky when you can avoid it is, is huge. And a yeah. lot of people work together around here and it's, it's awesome to see. There's not, you know, there's, there's always your bullshit, but a lot of people get along up here, which is really cool. And that's how it should be. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, so, like you run into a lot of different outfitters out there. I feel you like you do, especially especially like last year when it's a dry year when yeah. everybody's right up on each other, and it's um, there's always a you know you got to have that mutual level of respect and treat guys right. Or if you see somebody doing something that you don't want them doing, how you approach it is everything. You know, you can you can make somebody hate you really really quickly in this mm -hmm. line of business. A lot of people are willing to. A lot of people are willing to hate a lot of really good people over a goose and um, yeah you know but hell i'm you know guilty everybody's guilty of that the waterfowl hunts but yeah um <laughs> it, but if the more you stay in your own lane mind your own business and just try to do your own thing the, the less you got to deal with that bullshit the more you start running your mouth and stuff like that the more bullshit you're gonna have to deal with you know if you you bite your tongue bite your tongue bite your tongue and you finally had enough and throw out that absolutely subtweet asshole of an instagram post where nobody besides the person who've been doing wrong will get it it's like and i'm guilty everybody's guilty that it's like what the hell is that gonna accomplish it ain't gonna accomplish anything besides you know making you hate each other and that's when that's when you get in a situation where if you got like i go back to my traffic scenario if you will if he's like oh hell no i'm shooting those birds too when he's running traffic on them well, hell now these poor geese just got absolutely clobber hammered by two different spreads and two different groups and they ain't gonna want to go back they're gonna get the hell out of dodge they're not gonna yeah. want to go back there and so get along with everybody and go go pretty far yeah oh i hear you yeah waterfalling is uh the interest game the industry is very different in itself it's crazy man it's crazy and it's you there's like, you know, and just like I said, if there's rotten eggs and they don't get very far, you hear these names and they'll be overnight heroes. And yeah. you know what happens to these guys in a few years, you know, I want to, I want to be the type of person that's around in this business for a really long time. I want to, you know, I, I want to keep on doing this. I don't know what else I could do if I wasn't yeah. able to do this job and uh, having people hate you. That's a good way to quickly make your life a little more difficult than it should be. Oh, absolutely. You guys run so, into a lot of like, overnight guides that only are out there for the year or whatever it is 
Um, not well. You all, most of the outfitters around here, like they, they're pretty established, if you yeah. will. Um, but they'll get guys from out of state and stuff like that, um, like we did with Trevor. And and you know, if a outfitter hires a new scout or something like that, and hitting on top of them, that's that's when you run into trouble. But um, and I hadn't really seen too much of that. But as far as people like showing up and trying to set up shop and, and get out quickly, like you see it every year. And but it's not it's not too big of a problem. It's it's kind of kind of tough to establish something right now at this point, unless you're unless you're rolling with an existing business. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it'd be way too hard, even with just the lease side of things. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and there's. You know, we're we're pushing with Texas Parks and Wildlife every year to get stricter regulations on guides and outfitters. I mean, we're taking we're we're bringing so much money to the area and so much money to the state with how many clients are coming um, up here to hunt with all these outfitters every year. It's like, why the hell don't we have to be CPR certified? Why the hell don't we have to have an AED in the damn goose trailer? You know, yeah. Yeah, there just should be there should be a little bit more regulations on these guides because um, thank God there's. You know, you don't really hear many accidents happening. Um, I guess that goes to show that there there is a lot of really, really good guides running around out here that you don't hear about any accidents. But accidents can happen, especially when you got guns and, and people involved. And um, it's one of those things where I feel like, you know, it, just having being able to just say you're certified by the state and whatever would just go go a long ways in every aspect. But yeah. Um, it, it's pretty wide open. Anybody can come here and set up shop. And thankfully, thankfully the area is about as saturated as it can be. Um, so you don't see too, too much of that, but it's certainly, you certainly still have guys coming try all the time. Yeah. Do you guys have to get like any guide licenses or anything down there? No, mm-mm. that's what I was saying. It, yeah. it's, I mean, it's unregulated. I, Joe Blow from anywhere could decide he wants to be a guide in Texas tomorrow and, and come set up shop. And, um, that's like I said, we don't see too much of that just because people come. If you try to do that, you'll come and waste your time. Essentially, yeah. um, that everything, all this good shit around here is spoken for. There's, there's a lot of people running around and a lot of people that are good at their jobs up here. Yeah. Um, but it's, I, I, I would like to see more regulation with the state. And we, we pay taxes on the other side of things um, through the season to the state, to, to Texas Parks and Wildlife, but not, not a guide license. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't. I, I feel like that. Yeah, I feel like Texas would be a spot to have regulations. I feel like they need. Yeah, and well, it, I mean, just like all the fishing guides on the coast or or waterfowl guides that, that have to guide on a navigable body of water, you got to have your coast guard license. Yeah. you know, and and what is that? That's accident prevention. That is that is in place to say that you were certified to take care of whatever fucked up situation possibly arise in this dangerous ass environment that you're taking these random people to yeah oh exactly so i think yeah i think everywhere should have at least a guide license. just for sure get your guide license i mean whatever you have to do for that just get it done for sure so yeah it, it's working there's you don't like i said you don't hear of any accidents happen that means people are doing their job right yeah well, that's a good deal because, yeah, I mean, like, North Dakota, they have to have their guide license and all that kind of stuff. Makes Oh, yeah. It makes it harder for people to come in and try to do it. And more so, you know, if I wanted to go run in North Dakota 
that wouldn't if I decided right now I wanted to go run in North Dakota, that wouldn't be able to happen this fall. That yeah. would be a you know that would be a process. You know, I'd yeah. have to. And with that, you 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 don't have your fly by nighters because you have people that that have to sit on it and realize all the logistics and all the money and everything that uh this ain't gonna work. I'm not yeah. doing that. You know, but <laughs> oh hell, I can go there and set up shop tomorrow. Okay, well have fun being bankrupt in a month yeah whatever but <laughs> but no it's it's a it's texas is a different state man all this land is so private we have so so little public land um yeah that a lot of the money that we generate up here goes straight down straight down to the coast all those wildlife preserves and stuff like that on the coast where they they do certainly need a lot of money down there to manage those ecosystems but i'd love to see texas parks and wildlife put some more money up here you know whether it's uh you know the the few there's a few Texas wildlife public hunting areas around here, yeah. And most of them are ponds or, or really awesome big lakes. That I don't know how the state gets those contracts on them or whatever, but they open public hunting. Well, no geese are going to roost there, no cranes are going to live there. There's you know college kids that they don't get in a fight and kill each other <laughs> for over who's hunting where. Yeah, you know they might all shoot a few teal in the morning to have a good time, and it gets people outdoors. Like you know there there should certainly be some public hunting opportunities. Um, but you know why in the world isn't their money being put into into safe spots for these birds like there is down the coast? It's a, mm-hmm. a refuge doesn't have to be, a, you know. I just looking at it from a Texas standpoint, a refuge doesn't have to be coastal. We need refuges where there's huge concentrations of birds, and yeah. uh, that's areas like this. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm surprised they don't have like a refuge in Amarillo or Lubbock or whatever it is, but there is a lot of, and there, there is some, there's a couple like national wildlife refuges around here that'll winter a bunch of cranes and stuff like that. But, um, you know, and, and water's a big issue. We can't really flood stuff up here. It's relying on mother nature. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of, a lot of technicalities there that would make it tough, but, um, there's, I just, there, the state's starting to listen to us up here a little bit more and, and starting to want to hear our opinion and taking the opinion of outfitters up here, which is awesome. Yeah, and so it's. I feel like we're starting to get get on the right track to getting some money money from the state that we're bringing the state push back up to our area. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that's a great deal. Then they they need yep. to listen to the outfitters and the people that do it every day. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because we're watching these birds, and it, it's it's hilarious. You know, like you'll hear you'll hear about these bird counts, and like this year the count was so far off from what I was thinking, and and guys were like, oh, holy. They, you know, they say they flew all day. They created the whole area all day long. It's like, man, I think that should take a week. I think there's only a couple hours in the morning, a couple hours in the evening that are worth flying for. You know, yeah. like the count that they're saying, it's like, man, I could, I could go and drive a little bitty loop. And granted, it was a drought, drought year to see that many birds, but yeah, um, I don't know. There's just, there's, it's, they're starting to finally, starting to finally do a little bit more work up here, which we're happy to see. Yeah. Oh, I hear it. Yeah, Minnesota, they came out with a bunch of regulations this year. New ones, like, we have an early teal season now, and, like, just a bunch I've of... I've never random. had one before? No, this is our first year. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's one of my favorite times of the times of the year. I love teal season. Yeah, I'm super pumped for it. But, like... It's fun. The thing was that, like, made me mad. Um, so, our south zone in Minnesota usually closes December 6th for ducks. And now... I got you. And we have like we would usually have a split for like twelve days that you couldn't hunt, and it was one weekend and then just two weeks that two week days whatever you couldn't hunt. Now yeah. they change it to five days that you can't hunt. Now it ends November twenty eighth, our duck season. I'm like, oh. 
who the hell voted for that? Yeah. Like, and they have they have their reasons for everything. It always seems so goofy, but they got their reasons for everything. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I my theory was that like the people that did vote because they did a huge survey on it was just like guys hunt mm-hmm. early season and then want to hunt early season warm weather as long as they can, and then yep, they just stop after that. Who knows? Yeah, it's crazy. We're the only only little zone in the state. We don't have any split. We have a little. As far as our duck season goes, I guess we like kind of like y'all. Our duck season—it's really weird. It opens for two days, the last weekend of October. Yeah. Then closes for four days, Monday through Thursday, and reopens that first Friday. Of October. Huh. Um, and then there's no then there's no split after that. Kill them for come to the last Sunday in January. Uh, our cranes and geese don't have a split or anything like that. Uh, we hunt them hunt them wide open. And I don't know. I don't know if that split would do any. I don't know if having a split in middle goose or crane season would do anything for us. Hell, I'd hate it. We'd, we'd run. I don't know if we'd run less hunters. I guess the state gives you a certain amount of days that you can yeah. hunt them. So if there's a split, I guess that doesn't really count towards your days. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but it's our seasons. Our seasons are awesome here. They're how they should be. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder why Thankfully. they do the two days that's open. I don't know. Weird. Yeah. I think. Hey, I, you know, I don't know. I've never, yeah, I don't know why they do that. They There's just, a reason out there from it. It's never bothered me. It's never, yeah. never bothered me enough to try to figure out why. Yeah. But no, I it's do. always funny. You always see so many. So my favorite, that's my favorite week of every year. Cause we're the crane season stays open that week. The duck season's closed. Like I was saying. Yeah. And you will without fail see three or four groups of just idiots duck hunting during that stretch. <laughs> the season's closed down. <laughs> like, come on guys. All you got to do is look at the damn date. Yeah. Oh, I hear you on that. Is there any regulations so, that you don't agree with down there? Man, no. Um, not really. Uh, really not. It's really not. Yeah. Um, they do a pretty good job. I don't know. Yeah, we do. We do a pretty good job. I don't know. If, like I was saying about research of cranes, I don't know if these cranes are getting beat on so much that eventually the limit should be dropped from three to two. Yeah. Um, two is a pretty common crane limit in areas that are shooting a lot of cranes. But then again, as an outfitter, um, we have a huge allure to this area because we have the most liberal crane limit in the U.S. We can kill three per person per day. So yeah, um, that's a double-edged sword. If I've wanted to see crane limits get decreased, you know, then that sucks for our hunters. They don't get to shoot three. <laughs> yeah. Shoot two. Yeah. But it, I, I'm, everything's everything's pretty awesome here, man. Um, five little geese is a good amount to be able to kill every day. Yeah. Um, so that's a solid amount. Make you work for them a little bit much. Four would be easier. Three would be even easier. But yeah, <laughs> like anywhere. <laughs> but no, no, our our seasons and our limits are pretty awesome here. Yeah, yeah, our season just. I could changed. I couldn't imagine I couldn't imagine those guys in Oklahoma. What is theirs like eight? Yeah, eight little geese per person. That's crazy. Mm. That's a lot of freaking geese, dude. Yeah, that's a ton. Like you, yeah, I, that's nobody needs to shoot. I mean, hell, if it's your limit, if it's your limit, you're legally allowed to shoot it, shoot yeah. it. But that's a lot of birds. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like for big geese, South Dakota, North Dakota, they're eight per regular season. You can shoot 15 early season in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just switched us. Our regular season went from three to five this year. So that'll be really? very interesting yep. on what happens on that. Because yep. I mean three, we'll three you can go out and bang them up very quick, and so it'll be pretty interesting, quick. Yeah, interesting to see on how like 
how much easier or harder or whatever it is to knock that full limit down. But it'll only allow no, more sure. hunting opportunity. Yep, yep. But that's that's what they're all about, man. They're all about hunting opportunity. If resource allows it, they're, yeah. they're gonna want those. They're gonna want all the hunters to have hunting opportunity the best that they can. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And I mean, they so. do a bunch of research on these big geese too. The oh yeah, banding oh, projects yeah. that they have up here is incredible. That's, that's awesome, man. We kill so few bands. I, I think I've shot four banded little geese in the years that I've been up here. Yeah, it's it, if we shoot bands, they're typically spec bands up up this way. And um, I don't know why they kill a few more lesser bands in Oklahoma, which kind of you know it's weird. You think that if Oklahoma's killing all these lesser bands, you think we'd see a few more of them, but yeah. Um, that just goes to show how many different migrations these little geese there are and so many different subspecies. I mean, hell, even there's different sides of town every year and different concentrations of geese that you can tell. It's like, man, these are tiny. Every year these are tiny. Even the mature ones are tiny. And then, yeah. you know, most of the geese that we're shooting are those Richardson geese. They're, they're not really a cackler. Um, yeah. They're kind of like those little Hutchies and Richardsons. And then, you know, there's areas that will go. And every year when we shoot these areas, we're shooting, you know, more lesser size birds like legit lessers yeah uh, so there's there's so many different subspecies these canada geese but we don't we do not shoot many bands at all yeah and when you guys do shoot bands where are they coming from typically none of it okay okay i got you yep yeah like all, all of ours are i mean iowa north dakota manitoba oh yeah a lot of minnesota wisconsin like all i mean everywhere surrounding us is banding like crazy Yep, yep. I kind of, I kind of just worry about my birds when they're here in my backyard. But yeah, I, I think that a lot of these, I think a lot of these geese are way too far up there for them to logistically like run banding programs on them. Yeah, a lot of these geese that we're hunting are so, so, so far from civilization and that swampy, nasty, foresty crap. Yeah, that at least I, I think I just, I just worry about them when they're here. I hope, hope they're doing okay right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got like where i go to school now is southwest minnesota and uh they have nice. a banding project right in town so i mean you can you can shoot That's a awesome. lot of bands like if you strictly yeah. hunt them i mean we had, oh yeah we had That's one awesome. hunt that like was like five bands for a five-man limit so heck yeah that's pretty that's pretty sweet right there yeah five i'd love 15. to do that one day i've never <laughs> ever hunted anything outside of this state well, if you ever come up to Minnesota, so, let me know, dude. Come on. That's what I was telling somebody the other day. If I could have a season to go run around with all the clients that have invited me to go do cool shit wherever it may be, oh, my goodness. I'd have me a dream season. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. But Yeah, that'd be. So no. you've never really hunted anywhere else besides Texas? No, man. Mm-mm. I mean, ever since I could, could drive, I've been doing this. Not This is what I love to do. And yeah. I love, love to take people hunting and. Now I've come to really love the outfitting side of things. So um, for now, for now we're here planning. Hopefully, get to go to Canada this October. But you know, I helped those boys down in the hill country guide deer hunts in October. Yeah, so we're pretty, pretty busy, pretty busy all the time. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Canada if they actually do. Yeah, we'll see what. I guess I guess they're good to go. I don't know. I guess you got to get a vaccine or Saskatchewan's. Get, I don't know, but somewhere they can go hunt now, I guess. Yeah, it's like every month on the 22nd, they like decide for us. Um, and they still haven't opened it up through Minnesota or whatnot. But I cool. don't know. It could be 
somewhere could be open, but I don't know yet. I just know that we can't cross the border yet. No, for sure. But I'd like to. I'd like to get up there. That place is crazy. Yeah, I've never been. I would. I would love to. I'd love to go shoot them anywhere, honestly. Yeah. But like I said, we get pretty pretty stuck here during our time of year, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. Is there any spot you wish you could go to if you had to choose? Man, I'd love to go shoot ducks in the trees. Um, yeah. I'd love to go shoot ducks in the trees, and then in Canada, I'd love to go to Canada. Um, I love I love the mountains. Like when hunting season's over, we go ski and fly fish and stuff like that quite a bit. Yeah. So I'd I'd love to I'd love to shoot geese with the mountains as a backdrop. I'd love to go to Colorado. Got no no bunch of people up there that really get them. And there's all those all those Colorado boys that come down here and and there's a bunch of those guys that come down here and hunt. Those are those are good dudes right there. Yeah. Yeah, the so, front range of Colorado. I'd like to go to Colorado and hunt, hunt geese up there. Yep. I'd like to hunt lessers out of a pit or geese out of a pit. I've never done that. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, would you guys ever think about putting a pit down there? No, just because it changes every year, dude. It's hard enough to get on some stuff. I couldn't yeah. imagine the look a freaking farmer would give me if I'd asked him to dig a damn <laughs> hole in his field. And then a lot of a lot of these fields up here are, are drip irrigated, um, where there's there's really extensive underground irrigation systems in these fields and a lot of them. And then, you know, if I've had, I don't think I've ever really shot the same stuff multiple years in a row. If you were to, if you were to get your own farming contracts or something, I'm sure you could do it. And there's people that are trying to do more. Uh, there's some like private groups of guys that are trying to do more stuff like that, like hunting club types of deals where they're putting money into wetland projects and putting pits and stuff like that. And it, like that stuff doesn't even really seem to be working. These birds are going to go go where they want to go and um kind of gotta kind of gotta stay on top of them once they get here i just feel like it'd be hard to dig a pit and plan on it like hell you know even say last season you asked me what field i wanted to dig a pit and i would have put a freaking hole right in the middle of that thing all day of the week and then season rolls around and then we don't end up shooting that field but a couple times you yeah. know so it, it's just so different every year up here yeah oh i agree on that yeah like it's up here in minnesota are like I don't know. It's a lot different, a lot different environment. I mean, yeah, you can, yeah. And you can throw a pit in a spot and you can kill them out of it. Yeah, you're not trafficking these little geese as much. Certainly, there's a lot of opportunities that will arise throughout the season where you can have successful traffic shoots. But when these birds know where they're going, they're going. Yeah. You know, doesn't matter what you got under them a lot of days. Yeah. Oh, I, you could throw out the whole kitchen sink and they still. Oh, yeah. Just oh, yeah. Say, <laughs> fuck you. Yep. Some days you're the bug. Some days you're the windshield. Yep. <laughs> I heard that. But, but yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Texas is quite the spot. It's a cool place, man. We're we're lucky to live here and lucky to get to run an outfit here. Um, it's a it's a sweet place, and we're lucky for all the guys that come and trust us and travel up here to come do it. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. Well, brother, I oh. gotta jump on another podcast here, but I appreciate you yeah, coming dude. on. Thank you. So I appreciate much. it, man. Thank you. Sorry, I'm a little all stopped up. My voice. I've been trying to get over the crud for the last week, dude. It, it was so dusty here before this rain. Oh, I can but imagine. I I enjoyed talking with you, man, and hope to do it again sometime. Yeah. Thanks, dude. You have a good one. Yes, sir. Stay in touch, man. Yeah. See you, man. See ya. Bye.